Blog Talk Radio. I used to think about immature things. You know, like, do you love me? Do you want me? Are you going to call me like you said you would? Is this really your real phone number? But you know, I'm a man now, baby, a grown man. And I came a long way. (laughs) And a fear taught me one thing. Taught me to hold on to my love.
is the Sunday Motivational Video. Every Sunday, we bring you a different type of video which should improve your life. Today, we're looking at 15 Challenges Every Entrepreneur Will Face. Welcome to Alux.com, the place where future billionaires come to get inspired. Hello, Aluxers. It's great to have you back with us, especially for today's video. We know most of you are aspiring entrepreneurs, so what better way to provide value than by giving you a window into the future? Almost every entrepreneur out there at some point will have to confront some of these challenges. Those who do manage to maintain focus and push through will reap the largest rewards. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, you'll still find this video relatable because you'll be able to identify the same struggles in your own journey only in different forms. If you're new here, welcome. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Alux. So, here are the 15 challenges every entrepreneur will face when building their company and future. Number one, self-doubt. We wanted to start with this one for a special reason. Most businesses fail because people don't start them. They fail by not taking the first step, and this is because of self-doubt. You don't think you can achieve more, but if history has taught us anything, it's that people are able to overcome their condition and grow. You don't have to see the end of the road to get in your car and start driving. As long as you know where you're headed, you can go through life one quarter mile at a time. Number two, a lack of resources. It's easy to look at established players and see how much equipment, resources, and staff they have at their disposal. Rest assured they didn't start with everything like it is. Do not compare your level 1 to someone else's level 60. In the beginning, you may lack resources, but you have time, a lot of it, as well as the enthusiasm to test, learn, and experiment. Your lack of resources forces you to be creative. That's your competitive advantage. You're not as rigid as everyone else. Number 3. Sacrificing Security once you get started on this road, you'll notice pretty quickly that it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Almost everything you make will go back into the business. You're working more hours than ever before, and the future is still kind of blurry. Your self-doubt starts kicking in, and you don't know if you're going to make it. Safety nets slowly fade away, and the security of next month is long gone. You're in this for real now. Number 4 a lack of real support from those around you. Everybody around will encourage you to pursue your dreams because that's the nice thing to say to someone who's just starting a business, but they're all monitoring your evolution and waiting for you to crash. Your family is blinded by their love for you and their support is irrational. Your friends care about your feelings, but they have their own journeys to figure out. You're in this by yourself. When shit hits the fan, you're the one who's going to have to clean it up and figure out how to move forward. Everyone wants to be there when you celebrate, but all they're going to show is sympathy for your hardships and failures. No real support. If you want to support a friend who started a business, don't ask for a discount or a free service. Instead, pay the full price and solve one of their problems. Number 5 
technical know-how. Let's say you're looking to start an online store but have no idea where to start. You learn through trial and error. But fortunately for you, the Internet is filled with tutorials and walkthroughs, helping you to navigate this terrain with ease. We're all a giant community of people holding each other's hands as you try new things. Technical know-how may be intimidating at first, but with time and practice, you'll learn how to use the tools at your disposal. On top of that, it's never been easier, or cheaper for that matter, to start from scratch and build something. The tools available right now are exponentially easier to use than ever before. People start multi-million dollar businesses from their bedrooms, and they do this by leveraging the tools billion dollar companies put at your disposal. If you're looking to start an online store, you can go to alux.com slash sell and sign up. For two weeks, you'll have access to the same tools, the likes of Kylie Jenner, Jeffree Star, Movement Watches, and more used to build their own companies. If you're looking for technical know-how, you need to start experimenting with these types of easy-to-use tools. Number six, your ability to multitask. New entrepreneurs don't expect this. You're under the impression that you'll be in your office overseeing everything. That might become a reality later on down the road, but in the early days, you'll be doing everything. You're the sales agent, you're the manufacturer, you're the distributor, you're the support, the manager, and the one in charge of keeping it all together. At this point, most people just give up. This happens because they lack the ability to segment, create processes, and delegate work. It might sound complicated, but every business needs to do this if they hope to make it. Being a one-man or one-woman show just isn't sustainable in the long run. Number 7. Industry Changes Your entire livelihood could be threatened by a change in the algorithm or by new laws and regulations. This happens all the time in fast-moving industries. A certain industry could be legalized or decriminalized, only to be reversed in a few years once the people in charge of these decisions change. We want to name it, but apparently YouTube will demonetize this video if we say the W word. YouTube is a great example. Who knows, maybe one year from now, they'll decide they no longer wish to monetize channels like ours. That's why we began developing our own digital products and look for alternative revenue streams. You have to prepare for the worst, but be ready to play the cards you'll be dealt. Number 8. Taxes, Lawyers, and More Formalities This is probably the most intimidating part of the journey. These people almost speak a different language from everyone else. Rest assured that every entrepreneur goes through this. We are all confused in the beginning, but as with everything, we start to get a better understanding of the process as time goes by. Whenever faced with this type of bureaucratic issue, look to the majority, the same way you do with a driver's license. Almost everyone has one. You'll be fine in getting yours. Number 9. Find, Hire, and Fire Employees Employees can make or break a business. Everyone thinks it's easy to find and keep good employees. Everyone assumes that people will want to work as hard as they do for the business, only to be disappointed. You know what they say, never assume you'll make an ass of you and me. 
finding the right people will be more difficult than you ever expect. These folks won't be able to read your mind, so you have to train them. They won't have the same drive as you do, and this will show in their performance. In time, you'll be forced to let some of them go if you want to save your business. All of these will be major challenges you're going to have to overcome. Number 10. Complete ownership of everything that happens. One of the greatest challenges is the mindset of taking ownership over what happens in your business because frankly, you are the business. You are responsible for everything. If anything goes wrong, it's because of a failure in your judgment or your failure in preparation. You train your employees. You set the values, the targets, the process, the brand. You need to behave in accordance to everything. The idea of taking complete ownership of everything that happens in your life is not new, but most people stay away from it and live with a victim's mindset. Nothing is their fault. Everything happens to them and they're just unlucky. Those people actually fail in life because their success and happiness is entrusted to an external mystical force called destiny, God, or the universe. But what would happen if you flip that around? If you start acting like everything happens because you make it happen? You'll start seeing growth and a lot of it. We became familiar with this after we finished an incredible book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, a Navy SEAL who's been instrumental in developing high-performance teams in both the military and Fortune 500 companies. It's an exhilarating book, but it's fairly expensive at $28. So, here's what we're going to do. If you go to alux.com slash free book and sign up, you can get the audiobook version for free, thanks to our friends at Audible. This book will be the beginning of a long journey of ridding yourself of the victim mentality. Number 11. Loneliness. Another challenge most people don't realize they're going to have to deal with is loneliness. Unless you find people who are dealing with the same type of struggles as you are, most people won't be able to relate to your journey. They won't understand the level of stress you have to go through, the sleepless nights, or the sheer amount of time that goes into building the life you want. Even if you go through all of this, and in the event in which you do make it, it's still lonely at the top. Number 12. Finding Customers Almost everyone thinks that customers just happen. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, right. This might be true if you're building the only coffee shop in your city or have an unfair advantage in your demographic. But for everyone else, you'll have to draw them in, learn to market, tell stories, showcase your products and the benefits they offer your clients. You'll need to learn the skill of selling, of differentiation, and how to find new customers. Number 13. Problem Solving and Risk Management Most people think of entrepreneurs as risk takers, as people who risk it all with a dream of finding success. In reality, we're doing the exact opposite. Your job as an entrepreneur is to minimize risk. What others may see as risky for you should be a game plan with a decent probability of success, which is directly influenced by your aptitude and skills. You minimize risk by solving problems other people don't know how to solve or find too difficult. 
Number 14. Competition. Everyone wants your attention and your money. You're no longer competing for customers with the business on the other side of the road. Now you're competing with everyone. The internet has made it possible for people to sell their products all around the world. So now customers have options. Lots of options. You're going to have to stand out from the crowd and go head to head with everyone else who wants the same thing as you do. Number 15. Failure. Be ready to fail because you will. This is the final challenge you'll have to face as an entrepreneur. You will try. You will plan. You're going to give it your all and you're still going to fail. It's likely that you aren't enough. You don't know enough or you don't have enough. You are not ready to join this race. The challenge is to learn, adapt, and to try again. That's how the world separates the real from the pretenders. Now, Aluxers, we do plan to keep the video recap based on popular demand, but only in the longer videos. This way we can keep everyone happy. But before we wrap this up, we're curious. What challenge did you have to overcome in your first business that you didn't expect to? Share your insights in the comments so new entrepreneurs can learn from your experiences. And of course, for sticking around with us until the end, you get a bonus. Number 16, dealing with success. Everyone is running towards success, but not everyone is ready for what's on the other side. For some people, success can ruin their lives. Things change when you get rich. People want what you have, so you become a target. They're going to sue you. Friends have secret agendas, and potential dates will factor your net worth into the equation. There is an entire video on our channel with what to expect from everyone else once you make it, which you can check out by clicking in the top right corner. With that said, you should still strive for it. Once you experience the freedom that comes from owning a business, the taste of the sweet rewards, your entire view on life shifts, and you don't ever want to go back. Making it happen is a challenge, and just some of you are going to overcome it. If you're a true Aluxer and have watched up to this point, please let us know if you accept the challenge in the comments. Let's just see if we can get 1,000 of these comments on this video. Thank you for spending some time with us, Aluxers. Make sure to like and subscribe. I can't trust these niggas, they be switching sides Trapping in the band up with your bitches side Money new, hundreds blue, I just spent a dime Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Try and me when you find me, better grip your knife Put that Felipe Aviani, we on a different time Had to hustle and rob, they ain't leave me a choice This can't be life, Jay-Z and Bean's voice Never had a nine to five, I ain't believing that So the block is where I decided I'm eating that The staircase is where the fiends used to meet me at Police searching me, looking for work, but I was cheeking that Was on that block every night, getting to that bag Wanted that Kooji and Versace shit Biggie had Cooking that cocaine till it turned hard I'm living in hell, still believing in God I got faith like I'm Frank White 
MCs don't want that work if it ain't right. Niggas don't want you coming up if they ain't eating. The block's up and I'm out here. I ain't leaving. I'm popping. I ain't one of these lame niggas. Me and Carmelo Anthony fucking the same strippers. Going hand in hand is what made me a boss. I know how to bounce back after taking the loss. See tough guys turning the bitches in court. Just made them realize they ain't as tough as they thought. Bodies done dropped for this money I got. I earned these diamonds that I got in my watch. I earned these diamonds that I got in my chain. I treated myself for putting in all of that pain. I can't trust these niggas, they be switching sides. Trapping in the band up with your bitches side. Money new, hundreds blue, I just spent the dime. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Try and lie me when you find me, better grip your knife. Put that Felipe Aviani, we on a different time. I just wanna open this up, telling y'all I'm opening up. I wanna be able to smell it before I open it up. That shit ain't potent enough, I be plotting low in the cut. Looking at the TV like that's supposed to be us But who am I to blame? I'm still a student of the game I maneuver out the rain and bring my shooters when I aim Yeah, I need a bitch that's a down one When them pounds come, make this out of town run Don't lead till your round's done Time to time I still chop it up with the old heads They told me how most niggas snitch when you go fast Told me to switch the hustle to flow dead My brother Pop died and flow dead You ain't quote dead Times I still wish I had a brick for the coke heads Pull up with a mountain of snow and tell them go sled Remember Halloween's back when we used to throw eggs yeah. Stealing mopeds, gave a fuck what the Pope said fuck. Nigga, which one you happen to pick? Judge by 12 or carry by 6 Granddad said be careful with the drugs Don't let them defeat you I said I don't do the drugs I just tell them the people He told me it's cold love when you going up Couple niggas come through and see how you holding up Pictures on your cell wall that you was holding up Give it some time, them packages and them bitches start flowing up I can't trust these niggas, they be switching sides Trapping in the band up with your bitches side Money new, hundreds blue, I just spent the dime Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Try and lie me when you find me, better grip your knife Put that Felipe Aviani, we on a different time Brother is so hard to catch up. We've been trying to get him a Washington watch for a long time, and I had to do so. Come all the way to California to the 2011 All-Star Game to hook up with Russell Simmons. He's got a new book out. It is Super Rich, A Guide to Having It All. Russell, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, brother. You know, I was in Washington, and I missed you. I know that. So that's what I'm saying. And so I, I called ahead and everything. I, so I you're, understand. You're a little tough to catch as well. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Let's, let's jump right into it. I've, uh, I've heard many different interviews. I've read different interviews. i talked to you on Tom during the morning show. Yeah. And your critics, the first thing they say, Russell, you got it all. You got money. You're getting paid. So how all of a sudden are you now deciding to tell people there's a different way to have it all? When you hear that, what do you say? Well, I, I think that that criticism is legitimate. I hear it so often. I, I don't think it, it, it's, uh, it, it makes real good sense since your mother 
and your, your father and your, your preacher, your rabbi, iman, or whatever, right. your, your prophet, your scripture, all told you that it, having it all comes from within. Mm -hmm. And so it's told to you over and over again. I mean, of course, people forget, but in, it's etched in stone. You know, it's in each prophet's mouth and each, and each uh, teaching. So this book is about the, the, the same truth that you already have etched inside you. The, the idea is to have it ring a bell. Here's what, here's what jumps out. Uh, I was at a church in Dallas several years ago, uh, and they honored the member of the year. This woman didn't have a car, didn't have much money, but the pastor said whenever somebody was sick, she was always at the hospital first. Uh, when his father died, uh, she was there taking care of him. And what they talked about was, they said she, she, was a, she had a prosperous spirit. Now, when people hear spiritual prosperity, it, it, what's interesting is this woman, the pastor said she didn't have a lot of money, she didn't have cars, but her spirit was prosperous because she was a giving woman. There is, there is a, part, a point in the book that was uh, tough for me because I wanted to make sure that people got this message. I didn't want to tell them that you could have a prosperous spirit and you would be happy, and that was all. Because I know that, that is not attractive to a lot of us. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are entitled, we need to empower ourselves, and maybe if we believe at the end, there's some payoff, then we'll start to walk a, a different path. I can remind you that, of course, the story of Puffy is in that book, the story of Leo Cohen, the story of Kevin Lyles, the story of Julie Greenwald, the story of Michael Kaiser. All these people were my intern became president. Right. The story of David Geffen as an as a intern working in the mailroom. All those stories are in the book. But those stories about people who went to work and they were focused on the present. They were giving. They were making sure everybody was better right. as interns. And when you make sure everybody's better, as an intern, you study your craft. One day, you're the leader. You're still a servant, but they look to you for leadership because you're making them better. But the struggle seems to be, for a lot of people, uh, they see it as 100% this, 100% that. So, for instance, I'll talk to people and they'll say, um, uh, well, you know, you know, I want to have a bigger house, want to have more money. And I say, look, I understand it. I get that. But if you don't have a sense of happiness inside... If you don't have a sense of contentment, then even when you get that, you still may not be content. You still may not be happy, and you still might be miserable. See, I would contend, and this is a, people would say this is more Eastern philosophy, but it's, it's written in the Bible and the Quran and the Torah as well. The contentment is not partly inside as a result. You know, and it, there is nothing on the outside that will make you happy. Money does not make you happy under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Happy does make you money, though, this attractive giver. What, what jumps out, one thing... Uh, in writing this where you said, wow, this is where I am today. This is where I used to be. And even I'm surprised about that growth, that evolution. What I learned is that when I look back and I'm trying to explain what it is that, that, that promotes this kind of prosperity or this kind of happiness inside, I can look back now after having read scripture and look and say, well, this is what they mean. Like we talk about being awake or fully awake and what I call super rich is a state of needing mm -hmm. nothing. The same thing could be described, uh, nirvana would be the state of needing nothing, or a state of yoga, or Christ consciousness, a state of needing nothing. It's a blissful state. When does that happen? So there's a chapter called Work is Prayer, to make work your prayer. Because when I was making these records, all I could hear was the melody. I was focused on the melody. Every so often I might break focus. And I'd break focus and I'd think, wait till they hear this. I never thought, when till the money comes? You mentioned stillness. There's a wonderful gospel song called Peace Be Still. Talk a bit about why stillness is so important, it especially is. in the world now where we have Twitter, Facebook, 
Blackberries, iPod, iPhone, iPad, Internet, everything. You it's it just moving. Yeah, but you operate from stillness. You have hundreds, hundreds of thoughts going through your head all the time. When a noise settles, they say it's only God. That's mm -hmm. all that's left is mm -hmm. here. And so you need to, every day if possible, let the noise settle. And separate yourself from, and then you operate from a place where you can be the watcher. The yogis refer to the watcher. Where they see their life, and instead of being an extra moved around by the masses or the collective, the collective is, it, you're in the role that you want to play. You can play your own role as opposed to being moved around. How do you feel when people come up to you and literally say, my thought process, my life, my focus has been transformed by something that you wrote? The proceeds of this book go to charity. I run five charities. I run the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, the Diamond Empowerment Fund, the Hip Hop Seven Action Network, the Rush Philanthropic Art Foundation, the Life Project. I, I run and I work in many other philanthropic mm -hmm. and social and political in, endeavors. Uh, that's what I do. But this book and the last book, I do get that. And the lifting, in, lifting someone's consciousness by even one degree is a very great, great gift. And for me, it is, you know, it is um, the most rewarding thing I can do is to give people a little shift or just a reminder of, of, of the peace of God that's inside them. Are you hopeful, let's deal with the issue of music, uh, are, are you hopeful that a bestseller like this, your influence with folks in the industry, uh, could also raise their level of consciousness in terms of what they are distributing? Well, you know, I think that the rapper's job is to tell us what we're thinking as a collective. I don't think that they necessarily have to be the ones to lift us. It's nice when Kanye writes Jesus Walks. But if we're sexist, and we are, and if we're racist, and we are, and if we're homophobic, and we are, and we're violent, and, and, a, and a rapper brings some of that into his poetry, mm -hmm. it's a look at some part of us we don't like to see. And I would say that the rappers are already less sexist, mm -hmm. less racist, less homophobic, than the masses, and it's certainly less gangster than our government. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I want them, I want everyone to be lifted. I don't want the poets traditionally have always told us who we are. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean just here in America at this moment, but traditionally throughout history, the poets have always been the ones to look inside and, and spit out things that we do act on, live with, and, and try to block out. And the poets say it. George Bush don't like white, black people. Doesn't mean it's true, it means that's what people are thinking. So he just said it. He said, wow, why did he say that? He said it because everybody's thinking it. So poets have to say after police. Very important to say after police. When there's so much police brutality going along, going on, and mm -hmm. at that moment, and then the next thing, there was a whole review of the relationship between community and police. And so I think the poet's job is to give it to us raw. I don't fault them. They're not ahead of society in violence. They're not ahead of society in sexism or racism. They're certainly less racist and sexist and homophobic and everything else than the previous generation. So, I, you know, I hope that everyone's lifted. I hope that our priests and preachers who are more sexist than most rappers mm -hmm. are, are, are transformed. I hope that there's some people who are, and I think a lot of rappers are talking about it, who realize that the, the, the number two use of oil besides the army all the water, all the grain, the destruction of the ozone layer, all the cancer and sickness, and the worst calm in the history of humankind is the animals and the abuse of them. And I think that a lot of rappers are saying that more, more than the, the mainstream. It's our reality. 
So we do things unconsciously. Rappers bring them up because at least they can be in touch with them. They know them. They see the contradictions. And it's good that they say what they say in many cases. I never, uh, I'm offended by what they say. I'm, I'm hurt sometimes. If, if, I, if, if I can't escape it, I'm sometimes hurt by the things that we do as a collective. But I'm not upset by a poet who exposes it. Folks, the book is called Super Rich. If white immigrants can come to this country 50 years ago with nickels and dimes and no education and come here and pool their little nickels and dimes and no education into, with, and set up little stores, develop these stores into larger stores, develop this into an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man 100 years ago, and today the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year. We feel that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position to point the finger today at the white man and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him for not giving him a job in factories that he, has, he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate, force themselves into that which the white man has set up, they should use this same ingenuity to show the black people how to pool our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street, but you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, and the bourgeoisie circles. We, our program is directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind, make, up, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, He'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen. Also, I am very pleased to see so many who have come out to always uh, see for yourself, where you can hear for yourself and then think for yourself. Then you'll be in a better position to make an intelligent judgment for yourself. But if you form the habit of listening to what others say about something or someone or reading what someone else has written about someone, somebody can uh, confuse you and misuse you. So as Afro-Americans or black people here in the Western Hemisphere, you and I have to learn to weigh things for ourselves. No matter what the man says, you better look into it. An example of why it's so important to look into things for yourself. I was on a plane between Algiers and Geneva, uh, and it just happened that two other Americans were sitting in the two seats next to me. None of us knew each other, and the other two were white, one the male, the other a female. And after we had been flying along for about 40 minutes, the lady, she says, could I ask you a personal question? I said, yes. She said, well, she had been looking at my briefcase, and she said, well, what does that X? She says, uh, what kind of last name could you have that begins with X? So I said, that's it, X. And she said, well, 
What does the M stand for? I said, Malcolm. So she was quiet for about 10 minutes. And, and she turned to me and she says, you're not Malcolm X. <laughs> you see, I have, we had been riding along in a nice conversation like three human beings, you know, no hostility, no animosity, just human. And uh, she couldn't take this. She said, well, you're not who I was looking for, you know? And, uh, and she ended up telling me that she was looking for horns and all that and, and for someone who was out to kill all white people, as if all white people could be killed. <laughs> this was her general attitude, and this attitude had been given her, uh, this image had been given her by the press. So before I get involved in anything nowadays, I have to straighten out my own position. And which is clear, I am not a racist in any form whatsoever. I don't believe in any form of racism. I don't believe in any form of discrimination or segregation. I believe in Islam. I'm a Muslim. Something, something, something Table with 
Town, right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. This is the Saturday Vibe Entrepreneur Hour, and I'm your host, Joey Bounce L. Bay. Welcome to the show. Um, I'd like to thank y'all for joining us today. Uh, today, we're going to have a little bit of a shorter show today because I don't have um, our guest that was supposed to come along. Um, and that's okay. We'll reschedule her uh, to come on another weekend. Uh, but welcome to the show. Um, I'd like to thank everybody that took the time to uh, join our webinar today, our trust webinar part four. We went into bonding. We talked about some self-insurance. Uh, we also talked about some estate planning, which we're going to really get more into that in some further webinars ahead. Um, so I'd like to just kind of recap a little bit tonight on what we talked about, um, as this will help you in some of your entrepreneurial ventures as well, because this is the Entrepreneur Show. Um, and if you have a business and your business, um, you know, needs to be indemnified or you, you have employees, you want to make sure you take some time and get a hold of this webinar that we did because it's going to really deal with the fact that if you're in trust and you're operating in trust, it's going to get expensive for you to have to have some type of insurance um, policy. So it almost makes sense for you to indemnify yourself, for you to have your own bond, your own type of insurance, right? So um, we talked about surety bonds, right, in our webinar today. And you can get that webinar at makemorecommerce.com. It'll be available tomorrow um, if you'd like to get your hands on it. So under 15 U.S. Code 694B, surety bonding, right? says that authority of administration to guarantee sureties against a loss from a principal a principal's breach of a bond. Now, let me just give y'all a working definition here. Let me pull it up. Okay. Now, what is a surety? You may ask yourself, right? A surety is a person obligated by a contract under which one person agrees to pay the debt of another person or perform a duty excuse me, agrees to pay a debt to another person or to perform a duty if the other person is bound to pay the debt or perform the duty fails to do so. Okay? Now, a surety and finance is a guarantee, right? It involves a promise by one party to assume the responsibility for the debt obligation of a borrower. Usually, a surety bond is a promise to pay. It's a it's an IOU, right? It's um it's a promise by a surety or a guarantor to pay one party, which is known as an obligee, a certain amount of money to a second party, which we call a principal, right? Now, a certain amount if the second party called the principal fails to meet some type of obligation, so such as fulfilling the terms of the contract, if you will, right? Because remember, everything's contract. Uh, the whole the whole shit is contract, right? So anytime that you're dealing with surety bonds and bonding, you're dealing with contract law, right? Now, the surety itself protects the obligee against losses resulting from the principal's failure to meet the obligation. So the person or the company provides the promise, also known as the surety, or as a guarantor. Okay. Now, a surety bond is defined as a contract among three parties: the obligee, the principal. And the surety. Okay? Now, surety bond uh, agrees to uphold 
for the benefit of the obligee, right? So it's a contractual obligation. So what we dealt with today in our webinar is the contractual obligation of your trust, the trustees, the trustor, the beneficiaries, the trust protectors, right? These are all contracts. So when you're dealing with a topic like insurance, right, you have to understand that you're dealing with contract law, right? You're, you're dealing, especially with bonding, you're dealing with contracts, okay? Now, um, a lot of people don't know, you know, and they don't understand why you need to be bonded, right? Now, individual surety bonds represent an original form of suretyship. So the earliest known record of a contract of suretyship uh, was in Mesopotamia, right? You can find this actually on Mesopotamian tablets that were written around 2750 B.C. Now, the evidence of individual surety bonds exists in the Code of Hammurabi, believe it or not, okay? Uh, they existed in Babylon. They existed in Persia. They existed in Syria. They existed in Rome. They existed in Carthage. They existed among the ancient Hebrews. Okay, and later in your common law in England. Now, the Code of Hammurabi, and if you don't know anything about the Code of Hammurabi, this is a well-preserved Babylonian code of ancient Mesopotamia, dated from 1754 BC chronologically. It's one of the oldest deciphered writings of significant history, right? Now, the sixth Babylonian king, Hammurabi, enacted the code. These were partial copies uh, that were on what they call stone steles. Right? And a stele, if you don't know what a stele is, stele is basically a, a, a recording, right? It's a, it's a, um, it derives in Latin from the word stela, so uh, stele. Right, and it's a stone or wood slab, generally smaller um, than a headstone. Sometimes a little taller, right? But it's wide, it's wrecked, it, it deals with the ancient world, right? It's a monument, a type of orientation, right? But the Code of Hammurabi dealt with stele, so it consists of 282 laws with scale punishments, right? Adjusting eye for an eye, two for two. Right, based on social stratification. Okay, so the evidence of individual surety bonds exists as far back as the Code of Hammurabi, which was written in 1790 BC. All right now, this provided the earliest surviving known people, right, um, of what we would call suretyship. Right, so we were able to see that in the Code of Hammurabi, they had written legal code. Okay, so don't think that this shit is new. It's not new. So suretyship, being a surety, any of that, um, it wasn't always accomplished through an execution of a bond. They had something known as a frank pledge. Okay, So a frank pledge was a system of joint suretyship, which was prevalent in medieval England, which did not rely upon the execution of bonds. Right, But the first corporate surety, which was the Guarantee Society of London, dated from 1840. All right, now, in 1865, the Fidelity Insurance Company became the first U.S. corporate surety company, but the venture uh, it eventually failed. Okay? Now, in 1894, uh, Congress passed what's known as the Heard Act. Right Now, the Heard Act requires surety bonds on all federally funded projects. 
All right, now in 1908, the Surety Association of America, which is now called the Surety and Fidelity Association of America, known as SFAA, was formed to regulate the industry. It was formed to promote public understanding, uh, public confidence. It was basically done to uh, promote the common interest of its members. All right, so the SFAA is a licensed rating or advertory organization, advisory, if you will, um, in all states. It's designated by state insurance departments. The SFAA is also what's known as a trade association, so they deal with securities and shit like that, right? Now, in 1935, there was what was known as the Miller Act, okay? Now, the Miller Act is, is under Chapter 642, Section 12349, Stat. 793, 794, which was codified and amended in Title 40 of the United States Code. This requires prime contractors on government bonds, construction bonds, contract bonds to post bonds. Right? This is where your bid bonds come from, your performance bonds, right? Um, and all of that, right? Now, the Act was originally enacted as the Heard Act in 1994. The Act was established as a single performance and a payment bond that did afford some type of protection. Unpaid subcontractors, uh, what they called uh, uh, um, material men, okay? All this was done with substantive and procedural limitations. All right? Now, and this is really important to understand because the Miller Act is federal law that mandates the use of surety bonds on federally funded projects, right? So surety bonds are bonds that that really are bonds that anybody who's in business needs to have, right? Whether you're in the business of trust or you're in the business of government and trust is government or you're just in business, period. You should be indemnified. You should have some type of bond in place that helps you to carry out your mission. Hey, little Mary J. All right, now. 15 U.S. Code. Let's go back to it, right? So 15 U.S. Code 694B dealt with surety bond guarantees, okay? It says that the administration may upon such terms and conditions as it may be prescribed, guarantee, and enter into commitments to guarantee any surety against loss resulting from a breach of a term of a bid bond, of a payment bond, or a performance bond. Now, a bid bond, if you don't know, is basically, um, it, it deals with the bidder on a contract, right? And if he receives the award, therefore, furnishing the prescribed payment. Payment bond, it's just what it sounds like, deals with the payment. It deals with payment by the principal of money to the person under the contract, right? And then the performance bond says, hey, this guy's going to complete the performance, right? Now, um, Total work orders, right, that a principal will put out on a contract amount at the time of the bond execution. Okay? So when a bond execution is done, there should be a performance bond that's put in. Okay? So if your trustee gets out there and does some work, he needs to be indemnified. He needs to have some type of self-insurance, right? Even if if he goes out and you say, I'm going to pay you $6,500. Okay, well, what happens... If I pay you $6,500 and you don't do your job, how can I get my money back? That's where the bond comes in. Okay? So the administrator 
may guarantee a surety under subparagraph A for a total work order or contract amount that does not exceed $10,000 if the contracting officer of the federal agency certifies a guarantee. Right? Now, some of these bonds can be done with what's known as a bank guarantee or a BG. Right? Now, number two, the terms and conditions of the guarantees and the commitments may vary from surety to surety on the basis of the administration's experience with a particular surety. Okay? Number three, the administration may authorize any surety without further administration approval to issue, to monitor, and service such bonds to the administration's guarantee. Now, number four, no such guarantee may be issued unless, A, the person who would be the principal under the bond is a small business concern, B, the bond is required in order for such person to bid on a contract or to serve as a prime contractor. C, such person is not able to obtain such a bond on reasonable terms and conditions without a guarantee under this section. So this is why you need to have some money in the bank. Um, your trust needs to have some money. But there has to be some type of guarantee, some type of financial asset. You need to have some type of asset. Right? Then D, there is a reasonable expectation that the performance will perform what is known as a covenant. So this is why you need a covenant, right? Covenant is your contract, right? There's a reasonable expectation that you're going to uphold our covenant, right? Now, the administration will promptly act upon an application for surety to participate in the preferred surety bond guarantee program authorized um, under the particular government. Now, the administration is authorized to reduce the allotment amount of a bond guarantee under the authority to terminate participation of a surety in the preferred surety bond guarantee program. So anytime that you go to any of these programs, right, if you're not creating your own bonds, these people can cancel your bonds. Now, let's talk about indemnification. So the indemnification of a surety against loss from avoiding a breach is subject to the provisions of this section. Right, so this deals with uh, administration of a guarantee. Uh, a surety is provided by subsection A. The administration may guarantee indemnity of the surety against any loss. So basically, anytime an indemnification is done, it's to guarantee a loss. So if you go out there and you gamble with my shit and you lose it, we're going to guarantee through indemnifying somebody or something that that will get paid anyway. Now, let me pull something up for y'all here. This is going to be a short show, but I'm just running through some of this info because I want y'all to know, you know, we, we went through a lot of stuff today. Um, it's really important that we make sure we go through this, right? Follow up on it. So, indemnity. What is indemnity? Indemnity is a contractual obligation of one party, the indemnifier, that compensates the loss incurred to the other party, the indemnity holder. So due to the acts of the indemnitor or any other party, this is how the indemnifier is basically born. So the duty to indemnify is usually but not always coextensive with the contractual duty to hold harmless or save harmless. Anytime we do um, uh, uh, um, contracts with our foreign trustees, we do hold harmless agreements. Anytime you do a contract with anybody, you should do a hold harmless agreement. It also protects you. 
So in contrast, a guarantee is an obligation of one party assume, assuming that the other party is a guarantor will perform the promises of a third party if it defaults. So indemnities form the basis of a whole bunch of insurance contracts, right? So for example, car owners can purchase different kinds of insurance as an indemnity for various kinds of loss arising from operations of the car, such as uh, damage to the car itself, medical expenses following an accident, uh, getting back and forth to a job. So in an agency context, a principal may be obligated to indemnify their agent, a.k.a. the trustee, for liabilities that are incurred while carrying out a responsibility under the trust relationship. Now, while events give rise to an indemnity may be specified by a contract, the actions that must be taken to compensate the injured party are unpredictable. That's all statutory shit. Right? Now, the maximum compensation is often expressly limited. Y'all get what I'm saying? So that's why a lot of times in your express contract or your express trust, you do your own indemnity agreement. So this way, it's not limited in expression. Now, let me give you a good example of indemnity, okay? Because a lot of people don't know this, and this will help some of y'all, right? Indemnity, specifically, um, the history of it was right here in America when we dealt with slaves. See, slave owners were considered to have suffered a loss when their slave was granted freedom. Right? So, let's take Zanzibar, right? So, when the slaves were free in Zanzibar in 1897, it was by compensation since the prevailing opinion was that the slave owners suffered the loss of an asset whenever a slave was free. Now, in 1860s in the United States, uh, Abraham Lincoln requested that millions of dollars from Congress to compensate slave owners for the loss of their slaves. So on uh, July 9th, 1868, Section 5, excuse me, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment dismissed all of the claims that slave owners had been injured by freeing slaves. 1807 to 1808 in Prussia. You had statesman, his name was Baron Henrich von Stein, right? And he introduced what was known as a series of reforms, right? The principle of which was the abolition of serfdom. We've talked about being a serf before, right? A vassal, a serf, uh, uh, a peasant, right? Now, in Haiti, Haiti was required to pay an indemnity of 150 million francs to France in order to atone for the loss suffered by the French slave owners. Okay, now in Peru, Antonio Salinas um, Castaneda, which was 1810 to 1874, he was a wealthy and Peruvian landowner, right? And he was a conservative politician. This guy led the meeting of the mainland owners of the country, right? And he basically said, "Listen, we need an indemnity because slavery done fucks some shit up here, and it's messing things up." Okay. Even when they go into war, anytime they go into war, they do it in indemnity. So the nation that wins a war may also insist on being paid compensation 
for the cost of the war, even after having been paid instigator of the war. You understand? So an indemnity is really important. In the United States, a lot of private contracts in terms of services are actually uh, done through an indemnifier, right? There's an indemnitor. There's typically a customer, but it's normally done in the United States through some type of indemnity. Okay. All right. So with that being said, um, I'm going to go too far into this tonight because we did a whole webinar on this today. There's a lot of information on this indemnity thing. All right. I'm going to take some calls. We'll open up the call line, see what's going on out there. And uh, let's go to 913-938. What up? Hey, what's going on, Joy? Peace to the God. Peace, peace. Yeah, um, first I wanted to make a comment from the uh, seminar. Can I do that? Sure. Okay, uh, I know he was talking about insurance. And uh, we were talking about group insurance. Now, I don't know if you, uh, most people are not aware that when you get a job, when you get an employment, they automatically put you in some type of insurance. Yes, that's true. They and do. and uh, did you ever notice that they make you get insurance too? Yes, yes. Now, did you know mm-hmm. that? Uh, did you know that when you leave there, you still covered? Yeah, you are. It's just like when you leave a job, you're still covered by insurance. Yeah. Because it's a bond that they yeah. put on you. Now, w- what you can do, though, you can, if you have your own policy when you leave, you can have that policy transferred. You know, if you want to, if you don't have an insurance, you can make it a, a individual policy. But you have to talk to the right. personnel department for that. Otherwise, they can carry you until you die and still collect. Yes, they can. Just they can't. And you know what's really interesting about that is when you work a job, they put insurance on you when you work a job, and most times you could be fired for ten years, and these motherfuckers will still be running a bond on you. Yeah, you pull the IRS and you pay for it. Yeah, yeah, and you pay for it. You pay for it. Taxes is paying for it. It's coming. Matter of fact, so, it's coming out of your social security account. That's right. Because they so, use that social you know, to that bond. Right. But I've been doing insurance about forty years, so. It looks like we're going to have a need for that doing trust. So I'm, I'm making my Yeah, so you know the importance of what today's webinar was about then. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I yeah, used man. Now, you start talking about insurance. Now, it's interesting that you brought up the whole idea of the group insurance. We discussed that today. And right. um, it, brings, it brings to mind for me the religious aspect, again, of churches. Because look, look mm-hmm. at how many churches have members. Right, and they have you sign up as a member when you come into the church. What you think them churches are doing with the membership? You in a policy? You sign up. You sign your policy. You signing up for a policy. And, and all the money people give churches, they can't go back and get a dime. No. And, and now, now, now we know what's really crazy is that the IRS code says that these churches are supposed to be giving their members um, not only some type of tax exemption. But technically, they should be letting them know that they're, put, that they're indemnifying them with the application. Like, especially the big super churches. 
know. Right. Well, they're part of they part of the corporation. That's why they want to see how much you make. For you, some of them nowadays they want to see your income statement before you join, so they can make sure yes, they, they get they paid. Do. So, uh, <laughs> it's just the business. Yeah, bro. and see the thing the thing about churches, they they are five hundred one c three, meaning it's uh, public. So, they are one of the few public institutions that exempt from taxation. And why is that? Because you uh, you working in a community. You supposed to be giving back to right. the community. That's right. That's Simply. why you tax them. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any church give back. I seen them take a lot. I ain't I never seen, seen church give back. back, and I ain't never seen them extend that tax exemption to their members either, which they can which exactly. they can legally do. Right. They should be able to go to the church for a long. Uh, uh, whatever they need, that's what it Man, you ain't for. lying. They should be. The hell, you know what's really interesting is that. But, they but really who fought is that? Who fought is it, Joe? Who fought is it? It's the, the members, members man. Yeah. They just not edu- not financially educated. They, they should be asking these yeah, questions. Exactly. You know, they they should be holding that preacher liable because you're gonna buy him another jet if you don't. Man, Creflo Dollar, criminal dollar. <laughs> You know, criminal, criminal dollar. dollar. Yeah, you say you, you yeah. say I believe in the dollar. That's all his name means. I believe in the dollar. Forget God. Oh, I yeah. believe in dollars. That's what Crespo means. Yeah, exactly. From the from the Latin credo, mean credit, believe. See, that's the etymology anyway, right there. Yeah, yeah. He believe in the dollar. He's telling people straight up front. I talk to Jesus, but I believe in the dollar, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> since you brought him up, that's real, you know, man. Since you brought him up, no, no. It's anyway, real, it's uh, real. yeah. Anyway, but I just thought I'd bring that two cents in, and uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's 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 right on point, and it goes along with what we're talking about. Because I mean, this whole this whole thing, you know, like I said, we we we're not here to teach people uh, how to go buy insurance. We teach some people the ins and outs. Of, of doing their own thing when it comes to insurance, you know, and and understanding the ins and outs of it, because that's really what this is, man. You and know, did you know? Did, did you know whole life? Did you whole know whole life insurance is the biggest scam? Yeah, it it is though because you know what because like because you paying you, you paying for uh, when you buy your insurance, you also putting money in savings. Yep. But with the whole life, yep. you can't get nothing until you die. So where do the savings yep. go? Exactly. 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 Now, now here's the funny thing, right? Whole life insurance is really almost like a, it's like really being in a suit suit. They collect your money, and then after you in it for so long, they pay you out a little bit of, of the dividend. Right? Except they're doing it on such a you large pay- scale, they're making millions and millions of dollars. Well, I got involved with the insurance company and one of the few that uh, what we do with the savings, we invest it. You know, we invest in the stock market, stocks, bond, whatever, and we build up mm-hmm. a, build your account up just like if you was paid on the stock market. Yeah, you so that, that's how you, that's how we build annuities. So you're mute, you know, in you know by your lifetime, that hundred thousand dollars policy, let's say, it can be up to four or five hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. Or even more. Exactly. But yeah, so it's a, it's a, money and, you know, and that's that's crazy because 
a lot of people don't see the uh, ability of doing group economics with each other. So important to do group economics. Yeah, yeah. Well, they need you know, they need the financial education, brother. That's 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 it. They don't know. They don't teach this in school. No, you know, unless no, you don't. go to a specialized school, but just general education. You know, children don't get this. So. No, they don't at all. At all. It's powerful, man. Yeah. I, re- I really yeah. appreciate you okay. coming in and dropping that and, and building on what we all talked right. about. Thank you. I'll be, I'll I'll be looking for some sign up some clients. I'll be signing up some people now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, we're going right. to be <laughs> dropping that savings bank soon. That whole savings quill, we're going to drop that real soon. Just doing some finishing touches on some on some legalities of it. So, yeah, and I like I got to get you know, some... Uh, some Get some classes on insurance too. How to shop for insurance. You ain't got to buy with me. But you, know, you should know how to shop. Yes, you should know how to what shop. The, what what to what to look for? You know, when you buy a policy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. Said, uh, I'll be getting with you, bro. I'll get with you in the private, man. We can we can definitely work some things out. All right. Give me a call. Okay, brother. Take care. Peace to God. All right. Peace. All right, good stuff, man. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to come back and take another call. Uh, you're right here on the Saturday Vibe Entrepreneur Hour, right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. Shine your light on the world Shine your 
I don't want to be bothered Sometimes I just want a quiet life Me and my baby, me and my lady Sometimes I don't want to get in the snowball Sometimes I don't want to be so Sometimes I just want to be a man But pull me safe, shine your light on the world Shine your light for the world Been a good 15 years since I've been in church. Man, same here. Same here. I just tell you, 
that the last time I became a member in the church, because I, I remember growing up, you go to church or you go to a visiting church when you walk in there, they would uh they try to get you to sign up. You're gonna do this big welcome. We want to welcome our new members today, right? Like, they wouldn't even tell you what their church is about, but they try to get you to sign up and become a member while you were there. So a meeting. Uh, listen, they grants. The type of grants they get. Um, that's that's cold. The type of insurance they can get. All that shit is based on their membership. That's cold. Our community, really, our community, plural, really need to know about this because, I mean, if you can't, after that, I mean, after, after they wake up and see that much right there, they can't help but see that, you know, the churches are not really, you know, working for it, especially, especially they hold money back from us. Uh, I keep not up. Uh, I'm not. I'm definitely not into the church thing. Um, I'm into the, yeah, you know, know, reading all the different religions, though. I point this out to you too. Um, one of the things people don't really see is that, and we talked about this in the webinar, when a, when an organization has their own insurance, one of the things that happens is that they have to report how many members are there, right, on a on a quarterly basis, but they have to record it every day in terms of what's going on, right? So know that. a church is really no different because the church are constantly turning over members. <laughs> Constantly getting, they constantly get new members, old members, all that good shit. So every right. member that they get, right, that's a new member, they essentially have to record that shit. That's why they're so hmm. far pressed. Right, 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 right. We're all doing that. Well, I got, I got one for you. Well, check this out. I actually have an online church. You know, so I did an online church. You know, for you know mystery schools and stuff like okay. that. So I'm always into metaphysics and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, it's you know, it ain't really been up and going for a good while. But I just paid, I I had to do the taxes at the, the uh, court. The church is a 501c court, which is public. I have um, okay, that's right. The, the, uh, the uh, 8832 for it yet, and brought it over to the trust because I'm trying to figure out should I ditch it because it's still. Well, uh, I would do a 501a. Make it a civic organization. If you need help, you can always sit there in private and I'll have to do it. But that's what it means. Okay. It be a organization. You say 501A anyway? Yeah. Okay. I mean, but but it's not. Only, benefit, only reason why I got it, it benefited me for is when it came down to like a long time ago taxes. You know what I'm saying? But now with the trust, like, I don't need it. It's kind of a burden. Or do you, well, think, you see me get, get you, reason well, about well, here, here, Here's the thing. I would, if you're going to have an organization that you want to use for civic purposes, I would start a 501A or 501D and then put it on, and then put the the, um, the beneficial owner as a trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I just then, don't see any purpose for it. Yeah. Like, like well, it's not bringing me well, any extra revenue. Right. Well, the only purpose really for that is to have the tax exemption and then to bring people under there as members and then maybe apply for grants. Ah, right. Because the, the church, too. Okay. The, the trust cannot do business in the public. So you'll need something to do business in the public. So you can have an exactly. organization like that come into the public and do business or chari- charitable work, civic work, things like that. Okay, I got you. But definitely, yeah. Hey, I, I'm, I got a few things I'm behind on for us with uh things with the trust and things like that. I'm working on things, doing one thing at a time. I tell you what, I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting the webinar. 
Definitely, uh, whenever that drops, probably a week after or whatever, I'm going to definitely get, keep this copy. Now that you just said that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely no makes sense. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, yeah. Hey. I'm going to yield the line. I appreciate it. Appreciate, uh, peace. Okay, God. Good to hear from you, bro. Yep. You too. You too, God. God. All right, that's what's up, man. Any uh, anyone else wants to get in? This is a Saturday show, so it's a shorter show than tomorrow's show. Call the number three four seven nine eight nine zero one nine four. Press one if you're in and you want to holler at me right quick. This would be the time. Um, next weekend we're gonna have um, Kathy from the PR group on. She's gonna talk to us about branding, how to brand yourself, right? So if you have any idea um, on what branding is, you know how important it is. And if you don't know what Brandon is, just go take a look at my man John the Bank, right? Go take a look at Make More Commerce. Go take a look um, at people like Jay Z. Go go take a look at people who brand themselves, number one, or people who brand the brand, right? Very very important. So we're gonna be going into that next week, and I want to make sure that uh, you guys are very well aware of what Brandon is because it's gonna help you with what you're doing. All right. Uh, with that being said, go to makemorecommerce.com. You can get with me for a consult or catch webinar part four, one through three and four. Um, and I think that's about it. That's all I got for now. We're coming to y'all with our savings bank pretty soon. Make sure you tune in tomorrow to the bottom line. Tune in Monday, John uh, Bay Show Wednesday with consultation Wednesday, Tuesday with our set. Friday, open form Friday with Jonah. Uh, Saturday right here and Sunday. Alright, that being said, man, I'm up out of here. It's been a long day. I'll catch y'all later. Straight up by the objects, I'm a big trip. If I got up on a lean, I'm a sip sip. I run a record with my queen, I ain't running a nip. But I got rich on all these niggas, I didn't forget back. I had to go through the struggle, I didn't forget that. I hopped inside of the Maybach and now I can sit back. These bitches know me now, cause I got them big racks Cause I'm getting money now, I know you heard that Young nigga on the corner, bitch, I had to serve crack Uncle fronted me some peace, had to get them birds back We came up on dirty money, I gave it a bird back Cut off the rain and I gave my bitch a new boot Either you run a y'all gang or you too woo Got a new all in bitch, him in that pussy voodoo And I'm that nigga now, who knew? I put a new 4 G's on the G I trap into the bloody bottoms, is underneath Cause all my niggas got it out the street I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans I remember hitting them all with the whole team Now a nigga can't answer calls cause I'm balling I was waking up getting racks in the morning I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty I've been waking up to get the money, whoa, whoa Got a bad bitch ass, said it, whoa, whoa To bitch it to my toes, two twins, I'm fucking a boat I put in new AP, the water like a boat I was down bad on my dick, what was you niggas at? I know you turned your back on me just to get some wreck I seen you swerve back, cause I'm in the black back New diamonds on me, fuck a flash, this ain't Snapchat Cause I been getting paid Yellow diamonds on me, look like lemonade Got my baby mama, that new Ben Tryna get a dojo like a sensei Rose Royce umbrellas when I'm in the rain my, my business. I got brothers that did the time, I ain't kidding. All these rappers just talk about it, I listen. Going up, I ain't got no sky limit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grab into the bloody bottoms, is underneath. Cause all my niggas got it out the street. I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans. I remember hitting them all with a whole team. Now niggas can't answer calls cause I'm balling. I was waking up getting racks in the morning. I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty. I've been ballin'
Yeah, yeah. 